Morning, everyone. So we had one of these mornings, you know, where you come in and like the projector won't work. So uh, I got good news for you. We have two. So good to see you here today. Michael, thank you for coming and leading us this morning. Let's give it up for Michael. Awesome, awesome stuff, brother. Kind of a cool story with Michael is we're in this process here at Fellowship of Faith of discerning where God may be leading us and who our new worship director might be. Various people on the worship team and in the congregation have been giving us names and leads, and it was Gwen Johnson who was actually singing lead vocals over here this morning, who, who reached out and said, there's a name of this guy that I've got to share with you today, and I'm going to date Gwen right now just for a moment, because back when Gwen used to be a student ministry director, Michael was one of her students. So just kind of having this moment personally going, how cool does that have to be when you're now standing side by side with this person that you nurtured and discipled in high school who's now an adult and you're singing side by side with the kingdom. So thank you again, guys, for what you brought today. Looking forward. Yeah. Looking forward to getting done with this part of it and getting back to you. So uh, last week. It's the last week of Explore God. For the last seven weeks, we have been journeying with seven, no, 800 other churches throughout the Chicagoland area, megachurches and microchurches, inner city churches and rural churches, suburban churches, churches that are predominantly white, churches that are predominantly black, churches that are predominantly Latino, wealthy churches and poor churches, every stripe, every variety. We've been traveling together in this thing that we call Explore God. Seven weeks of just simply exploring him. The basics of who he is, the essence of what he's about, the foundational questions of God and Christianity and life. And today we come to the final week of this journey together. And the question that we're looking at is this. Can I know God personally. Can I? The answer? Yeah. Yeah, you sure can. Now, I've shared with you over this series that I had the, the privilege, and I counted that, the privilege of being brought up by a, a devoted Christian mom in a Christian environment in Christian home. As long as I could remember, I would have called myself a Christian. As long as I could, can remember, I believed in God and more specifically in Jesus. I shared with you over these weeks that, you know, I was one of those families where you were at church every Sunday no matter what. What? You could be bleeding out your eyes. You went. You could be throwing up from the flu. You brought a bag. You went every single Sunday, no matter what. And it was Sunday school too. Every single Sunday, double header, no matter what, no ifs, ands, or buts. I shared with you that I was brought up in a Christian school, that K through eighth grade. I attended the school St. John's Lutheran in Chicago, Illinois, on Montrose, if you care to know. And um, 
Every Monday, they would ask for church attendance, go through the class. And I was that freak boy who was like, yeah, I did both again this Sunday. Like, I should be embarrassed of this, but I was. Both. Both. I grew up immersed in it. We prayed at dinner. We had Bibles in the home. We had crosses on the walls. We wore cross jewelry. I did too because, well, I'm Italian and it was the 80s. (laughs) You know, immersed. And yet, I can tell you that despite that much exposure, for the majority of my life, in that time, I would say I didn't really know God. See, it wasn't that God wasn't real. No, God was certainly real. But God was real in the way that you would kind of like say a a relative you never met was real. Or the president of the United States was real. You knew about them. But I wouldn't say I ever really knew them and certainly didn't feel like they knew me. Oh no, I knew that God was omniscient. I could answer that test question. I mean, I got it theoretically. But you know what I mean when I say it wasn't like here? It wasn't like personal here? And yet, despite that, there was always a, a few people in our church that struck me as being very different than I was in, well, their posture to God. There was a handful and they stuck out to me. And it was only a handful, and I find this is true for most churches. It's often just a small handful of people who are really notably different and something is different about them in their relationship with God. I remember this one guy, he, was, he seemed ancient at the time. He was probably like 38, but, you know, I was like 10 this was a liturgical church, you've got to understand. And, and so they had, you know, the, the traditional kind of cross-shaped sanctuary, and they had the choir lofts on the side, and they robed up, and the choirs would come in and sing regularly. And, and I mean, it was all chicks in this one dude. You, you know what I mean? And this brother would belt it out. He would make the most contorted, strange faces when, I, when he sang. I remember my brother and I would sit there in the pews. I don't know if he remembers this, but we would like laugh and snicker about it because that's, of course, what you do when you're in church, when you're 10. That's what a relationship with God looks like, is laughing at the weird things that are all around you. And he would just be like, oh, mouth, oh. You know, it, it was the goofiest looking thing. I laugh about it to this day. <laughs> and I remember I was like fifth grade. And our normal Sunday school teacher wasn't there, which means we didn't get to watch cartoons that week. Yeah, it was a different world. And like O-Mouth Man was there, you know, like substitute Sunday school teaching. And my perception of him changed like that. There was something about the way he spoke, the way he talked about God as though he knew him like a friend. 
There was a depth of understanding and knowledge in a way that integrated into life and wasn't just a set of propositions that he could like repeat if put on the spot under command. And you could tell that he was interested and that he knew God and that God was something very real in his life and he would talk with God like a friend. There was something very different about this man. I remember another man back And that day, he had a horrible skin disease. To this day, I don't know what it was, but he had permanent boils all over his face where there wasn't one inch of school, uh, of smooth skin. Noticeable when you're a young kid. And he wasn't an outspoken man. He wasn't someone who was in the choir belting it out or, or teaching or something like that. But he was this man who was just this, this presence that was always there. This, this, this person of kindness, of gentleness. This man who was quick to serve anyone. And there was like, there was this aura. I don't know another way of putting it. Like this aura around him that he you ever been around someone who just like glows? And it's not because they're hopped up on estrogen. I mean, it, you know, it, it's like there's a demeanor. A disposition. It's like the love and gentleness and grace of God was, a, was coming out his pores. Something so different about him. I remember in high school, There was this guy who helped in our student ministry. He was in his, I would guess, late 20s. His former life, it was the sex, drugs, rock and roll kind of guy. And he was one of the few people I met that would talk openly about how he finally one day met Christ. And everything was Jesus this and Jesus that. And it wasn't in some like kind of weird, dorky Ned Flanders kind of way. No, there's something of strength, of power, of of poise, of disposition. He's the kind of guy that you even kind of like admired when you were in high school and wanted to be like. And Jesus for him was everything. The way he talked about it, it wasn't just like some showy, hopped up, emotionalism kind of thing. No, there was something there that was fundamentally different. I remember this other woman at this church. And she would talk about how she would talk with God and God would talk back. And not in some weird way like she's hallucinating or, or schizophrenia or, 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 you know, hearing voices in some kind of delusional matter. No, she would talk about just like I was talking with God the other day. I've never heard anyone talk like that. And more so, that God would tell her things and she would do it and she would walk hand in hand. There was something very different about these people than about me. There was something that they had with God that despite all the immersion I had, I I could honestly tell you it wasn't like that for me. And then I would come across passages in the Bible, ones like these. I love this out of Exodus where it says that Yahweh would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend, and I would just wonder about that. What is that like? What would it be like to have that kind of connection and relationship with God?
Maybe you're a lot like me. A lot like I was. Maybe it's very similar for you where God is more theoretical than he is a presence in your life. Or maybe for you, God is kind of like the police. You you know you can call on him if things get bad and you're in trouble, but you don't really know any of them personally. You know what I mean? And the reality is, unless things get really bad, you'd rather them just kind of mind their own business and stay kind of away and let you do your own thing because you don't want them really interfering too much because at some level, they're still just a little bit of a threat, still kind of scary. Maybe your faith feels more like a set of answers to a true-false test than a connection with a living, breathing person. Many of us have been there. If I'm describing you, you are not alone. And I find that in that moment, what so many of us try to do when we realize there's something more, but we don't know how to get there, is we start doing all kinds of religious things and religious deeds to try to make it happen and to try to get what those different kind of people have. I want to take a survey, and I'm I'm not going to like do a show of hands. I just want you to kind of do this in your head. But which of you here have ever tried to do something extra good in order to please God or make him happy? Which of you here have ever tried to stop doing something in order to try to get God to love you again, or maybe, if not even that, to pay more special attention to you? Which of you here have ever engaged in a new technique? You wanted to try that new thing because you didn't feel God in your life so much anymore, so you investigated and tried some new pattern of devotion, some new group, some new way of, play, uh, of, of praying, the, 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 the latest and greatest curriculum or speaker who happens to be in the Christian scene at the day and kind of chose his way, going after that, hoping you could buy that experience God in some meaningful way. And arguably, maybe we can even look at all those things and say, at some level, there's something good in that. At some level, there's something that, 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 that does something there. But have you noticed how it only takes you so far? That at the end of the day, it all seems to just kind of fall short at some level. And all the efforts and all the activities that we, we, we strive for to connect with God just don't bring it home. The good news is that our relationship with God is not dependent on any of those things. The good news is that a relationship with God is something that God wants to have with you freely and that God enters into 
with you freely. I want to share just a few passages with you today that come out of the Bible. Take its word for it, not mine, that that hit on what I'm saying. I think of this. Where Paul writes, God saved us. Not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. That God saves you. That God says to you, I like you so much, I want to spend forever with you. I mean, there's not a lot of people in this world, I've got to be honest with you, that I want to spend that much time with. Not to mention people who are arrogant, bitter, angry, self-centered, lazy, or narcissistic. And yet God looks at people like those, people like me, and says, yeah, forever? It ain't long enough. I can hang with you for that amount of time. I want to know you. I want to rescue you from, from something apart. from. I, I want to be in a relationship with you. He saves us. Not because of righteous things we've done, but because of his mercy. I want to challenge you. Tattoo that in your brain. Memorize it. I mean it seriously. It's like 12 words. Burn that in your brain. And any time you start trying to approach a relationship with God on the basis of what you are doing, let, let that <laughs> speak loud and clear. How about this? Yet to all who receive him, To those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. You know, it's become so cliche today to say that we're all children of God. We're all sons and daughters. But has it struck you that in the most famous Bible passage of all, it says that God has one and only one son? You are not a child of God. Neither am I, at least not naturally. But God wants to be in such a deep relationship with you, have such deep connection with you, that he chooses to adopt you despite the fact there is no biological connection. Despite the fact that, in essence, you are not of the same substance of God at all, he says, I want you and will count you and treat you like one of my own. To all who receive him, if you receive him, to those who believe in his name, to those who put their trust in him. He gives the right, the opportunity, the privilege. Children of God. That's the kind of relationship he wants to have with you, and he gives it to you freely. I love this from Revelation. Jesus says, here I am. Let's not fast forward yet. Where do you find God in the highest heavens and the lowest depths? Yeah, but right here too. He's here and he's saying, here I am. I'm right here. I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice, who is it? And opens the door. 
I will come in and eat with that person. And they with me. That's the basis of a relationship with God and the kind of relationship God seeks to have with you. Here's the thing, the truth about knowing God personally. God loves you. God gave his son for you. And anyone who simply receives that can have an intimate, personal relationship with him. How does it put it? God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save them and enter into renewed, restored relationship. Personal and intimate. Again, I love this passage. I want to show it to you. It's something Jesus says. I love this. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures have said, streams of living water will flow from within him, connected, nurtured, overflowing, bursting, life. I love what Gwen read earlier from the stage. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Jesus says, trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I wouldn't have told you. I'm not a liar. I'm going there to prepare a place for you, and I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. And he says, you know the way to the place I'm going, to which his disciples said, no, we don't. To which Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. Do you want to know God? It's knowing Jesus. It's the whole reason Jesus came to this world is that so those of us who are far from God and out of relationship with him can enter into a relationship with God freely. That those of us who see Jesus know Jesus, know God as well. Let me state it again. If you really knew me, you would know my father as well, he says. And from now on, you do know him. You do know him and you have seen him because you've seen me. I love how Jesus puts it. I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit apart from me. You can do nothing. That connectivity to Jesus is the, the secret, the answer, 
is the way to know God, not just about him, but to know him personally, like a friend. It's no mistake, Jesus said stuff like this. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. He says this to you, instead I call you friends. I don't know what you feel in your heart about God. I don't know what it looks like day to day and whether you sense his presence or converse with him or have something that's deep and intimate if you're different, but I do know this, that God looks at you and calls you friend. That God looks at you and says, I want to be your friend. That God looks at you and says, will you be friends with me? You ever think about how vulnerable that is? Have you ever gone up to a human being and actually said those words, will you be friends with me? This week, try it. It will be the worst 10 seconds of your life. And just feel how exposed and on the line you are. And God comes to you and says, will you be friends with me? Because I want to be friends with you. That's what Christianity is all about. That's why Jesus came. You know, there's this saying. It's cliche, but... There's something to it. Know Jesus. Know God. Know Jesus, know God. It's not a punishment. It's not a, a casting people off. It's simply, this is the way to know him. And I want to encourage you. You can. You know, today is the end of Explore God. But it's not the end of our journey. Our journey in our relationship with God keeps going from here. And I want to invite you on that journey with us. I want to invite you on that journey whether you're here today and you're brand new or whether you've been here since this church is beginning, I want to invite you on that journey. I want to invite you on that journey with us, whether you sit here today and go, I don't think I believe in Jesus, or you say, you bet I do. I want to invite you on that journey. Because even though Explore God ends, our friendship and relationship with God I believe it can only get better from here. So may God bless you. May he keep you. May you hear his voice at the door. May you receive him. And may you experience what friendship with God can be like. Band's going to come on forward. like to invite you to rise. And as they plug in and tune, 
prepare, I'd like to invite you to pray with me. Maybe you're here and you're feeling far from God and it's just a time to receive him, saying, Lord, I miss you. I miss you and I want you in my life again. Maybe it's, I'm sorry that I've run away or kept you at arm's length. Maybe it's, sorry I haven't called back. I know it's been a while. Maybe you're here today and you don't know him, but you want to. Maybe this is a time to just tell him that, saying, Lord, I don't know you, but I want to and I invite you into my life. Come to me. Help me to see that you're near me. Help me to trust in you.